Hare Krishna, dear devotees, welcome back. We tried our first broadcast uh, and we got some technical error messages, so we're rebooting our discussion with His Grace Vaishya Prabhu, who's going to be uh, going over the seventh purpose of Srila Prabhupada's ISKCON, which is to, uh, Srila Prabhupada wrote, with a view towards achieving the aforementioned purposes to publish and distribute periodicals, magazines, books, and other writings. And so um, we're very happy to have Prabhu with us. And he's, a, of course, a hero of book distribution across our movement. And his ISV congregation, the um, ISKCON Silicon Valley, is known to have the best weekend warriors uh, on the planet, really, devotees who live their days as professionals and yet still manage year after year after year to be able to um, increase their book distribution numbers, which are already tops, and that somehow they become even uh, taller, greater, and they grow. As I've heard Prabhu say many times, that which gets measured gets improved. And so by making it a priority there in that community, it's become a hallmark. Um, very happy to have Prabhu with us today. Welcome, Vaishyashekar Prabhu. Oh, thanks a lot, David Mahaprabhu. I'm happy to be here on your show. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not my show, but I, I drew the long straw of getting to interview you today. So <laughs> happy to get to spend the next hour or so with you. Uh, we So we broke up the interview, but we were, I, I had asked you first, and maybe you can share with us again for those. Now we have an audience, already 20 people are watching, um, <clears throat> about your original connection to book distribution with Srila Prabhupada and how that developed into a, a service for you. I first offer my obeisances to His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, to Deva Madhava Prabhu, and to all of you who are watching. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Well, I was just minding my own business, trying to find God yeah. back in suburban Lafayette, <laughs> California, in my parents' house. I was a teenager. And... Uh, a friend of mine brought me a Back to Godhead magazine and uh, left it for me, and I read it and then decided that uh, that was the life for me. I saw the pictures of devotees. I <laughs> saw advertisements for books. I read the articles, and I said, that's it. Uh, this is the perfect thing. And I went to the bookstore, and uh, it was called Shambhala Books in Berkeley. had all kinds of spiritual books. And there I asked for the books by A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and they gave me Bhagavad Gita as it is, Sri Upanishad, and On the Way to Krishna. And those three books replaced all the other books I had collected. I had, <laughs> I had been reading um, as many books as I could to try to find out um, how to find the absolute truth. And Prabhupada's were so satisfying that I knew that my search uh, had ended for the perfect master and for the perfect uh, literatures. So that was my first experience. Wow. My second experience is when I went to the temple. My mother took me to a Sunday program, dropped me off at the front door, and there was a devotee, Janakana, sitting there on the front steps. And I, I said, I've come here to surrender to the spiritual master. <laughs> and uh, and he started laughed at me, and he said, he's he's... <laughs> He's not here. He's in India. And then uh, he said, but actually he's always present in his books. And when he said that, it resonated because I, I had already felt that. I've, I had felt 
a oneness or a presence, not just of Prabhupada and his words, but also of Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. It, it was a thrill, actually. Mm. They don't make them like they used to, as they, as they say. <laughs> so that was your first time having books distributed to you. What, can you. what about your first experience distributing Prabhupada's books? My first experience was really hearing about book distribution. It was, a, it was 1973 when I joined in San Francisco Temple. And there, there was a lot of talk about book distribution. I started which in my favorite service, which is washing pots. I was very happy there. But one day my temple commander, Krita Karma Prabhu, came in and said, uh, would you like to try going on a book distribution? Or he said, we'd like you to try going out and see what you think. And um, he told me, it'll make you very dear to Prabhupada because he likes it. And I said, then I'm going to try it. So they sent me out with a devotee, Bhakti Roberto. He didn't speak English. He spoke Spanish. But he took me down to Market and Powell in San Francisco, which is a kind of a famous landmark because it's a tourist place and a place where devotees have been doing Sankirtan for years. And there, at that time, we really weren't distributing big books at all. In fact, he showed me how to hand out a stick of incense. And then when somebody put a, a donation in our can, you'd hold a little can, and then uh, we'd give them back to Godhead Magazine afterwards. Uh -huh. So that, that's a, that's what it's uh, how I started. And uh, then th there were reports that devotees were selling uh, big books. And when I, um, you know, when, when all of us heard about it, in fact, if, there was one devotee, Sarvabhoma, Prabhu, who, who had started to do it in San Francisco. In fact, the day that he, he had sold six big books, we held an Ishtagosti for the whole temple to find out how he had done it. <laughs> and he's such a I'm unique personality. His, uh, his technique, <laughs> no one could follow it because he was very spontaneous. Hmm. And then uh, we had uh, Triparari. Uh, he was Brahmachari at the time. He came to San Francisco and started showing us. And it was like magic. He was so empowered that people would take books from him. And we started, we watched him. And then gradually, by Krishna's arrangement, the way Prabhupada had explained it, he said later in 1975, he said, every devotee has his or her own genius for how to distribute these books. He said, if you're just sincere and you try, then Krishna will, then he pointed with his hand to his heart. He went like this. He said, then the master within the heart will show you how to do it. Hmm. Wow, wonderful. So now it, it that's, you, you were kind of welcomed in by your temple president. Later on, it became a kind of hallmark service for you. How did that develop? It, it just ca carried on from there or were there some? Well, I was in San Francisco for the first year uh, when I joined. And then there was a what was called the BBT a traveling party was in, in Chicago. It was centered there. Mm -hmm. uh, Rameshwar and Triparari had started that party uh, under the um, direction of Prabhupada, who wanted book distribution spread far and wide. And he said that collect together those who know how to do it and have them go out and teach others. Mm -hmm. And so it was, a, it was a training camp there in the Chicago O'Hare Airport. And the airports had just become legal. And so my temple president sent me there uh, to get trained up. But when I got there, the, the authorities decided to uh, keep me there permanently. Mm -hmm. 
As, mm. And uh, so I just stayed there with the party. We had 25 brahmacharis and I think one Mataji, one uh, woman devotee who was a, a book distributor. And, and then from there, we, we were sent out to various places all over North America to be embedded in temples. And we would stay in a particular temple for three months or sometimes longer to work with the local devotees and try to inspire book distribution and train up the devotees in the local areas. Hmm. Now, Prabhu, something I've, I've, a mistake I've made myself and I notice other devotees making is we kind of stereotype devotees into a particular service, book distributor or pujari or cook or class giver, etc. And yourself, you've been able to maintain this book distribution service as a, a feature of your devotional life, but it's not the exclusive thing that you do. And I've I'm, I've personally had the opportunity to experience you give a wonderful class. You lead a, a rousing kirtan, uh, so many other things that go into a wholesome devotional life. Can you share something about how to maintain book distribution as a part of Krishna consciousness for anybody that might be interested? Well, my 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 first meeting with Prabhupada was in in around 1970, end of 1973, just when uh, just before I left, and uh, either that or was the beginning of '74. I can't quite remember, but uh, <clears throat> our temple president introduced us, myself and several other devotees, uh, who are part of a book distribution team there, and he was the temple president telling Prabhupada about how many books we were distributing. And uh, San Francisco was one of the bigger temples in terms of book distribution at the time. And Prabhupada looked right at us and he said, you must also read my books. I have not given mm -hmm. these books just for selling. I have given them for you to read, become pure devotees and go back to God. And he was very stern and <laughs> it wasn't what I expected, but it went right into my heart. And during those years in the 1970s, there was a, a really um, a strong work ethic. Devotees would stay long hours on Sankirtan, and there was a really big emphasis on uh, accumulating more and more um, scores, which I was also uh, very eager for. But at the same time, I already knew Prabhupada said, you must also read my books. So mm -hmm. luckily, the Sankirtan party I landed in was oriented towards hearing and chanting. And I got my, uh, in my formative years, and, and in San Francisco as well, uh, Jayananda was there, Keshava Bharti, he was aggressed at the time. But the, the devotees there were very much focused on uh, hearing and chanting, and then the party I landed in was also. Hmm. It was fine with me, because that's how I started my devotional practice anyway, at home reading the books without, <laughs> without anybody else around. So I, 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 it suited me fine. But that that was something we understood that Prabhupada wanted, not just you know pushing hard to distribute, but also uh, to read his books. And um, and uh, also, I found that whenever I was uh, at a particular temple, when I got an opportunity to do deity worship, it just really um, completed everything. When I was staying in Atlanta, Georgia, they asked if I could put the deities to sleep at night. And uh, the feeling that I got going on the altar was so much different than the rough and tumble at the airport during the day. 
And the two complemented mm. each other so nicely, both transcendental, but in different ways. And I saw how the Pantratric Vidhi mm. was so important to uh, stay balanced and so forth. So, you know, just mm. sort of, um, I think there was a point at which there was more emphasis on division of labor. Uh, everyone who could do a particular thing, they just do that. But my sense was that Prabhupada mm. wanted us to learn everything. And uh, so mm. I, I like to do that. We also got opportunities to cook and so many things. And, you know, it's, it's all ecstasy. It's so much fun just to uh, be able to do variegated activities in the association of Vaishnavas for, for Krishna. Wonderful. I'd like to go back to this point you're making, uh, and you said Srila Prabhupada made to you very emphatically the importance of reading his books, playing devil's advocate a little bit, noting that you have a retreat every year during Kartik where you bring interested devotees to come together and read Prabhupada's books exclusively for six to eight, ten hours a day. Uh, sometimes there's a concern that Srila Prabhupada's books uh, kind of repeat themselves, and there's you've read one, you've read them all. And so some devotees don't avail themselves of that chance to dive deep into his books. What would you say to devotees who have that um, impression of Prabhupada's books? Well, that's the mind. The mind does stuff like that. You know, it's mm -hmm. easy enough to look at anything and say, oh, that's boring. And that's why people take to drugs and all kinds of things. The, the mind has this way of uh, viewing the world through a, a, a gray cloud and then it all looks boring but nothing's boring in this world actually there's no one particle that's the same as another there's no in there's no one uh sunset or or moment that's the same as another and what to speak of the transcendental variegatedness within Prabhupada's books there's unlimited variegatedness and the most beautiful poetry Prabhupada writes in poetry and mm. to those who are uh seeking that satisfaction of the intellect and of the heart together, which which poetry does, it's very, very satisfying, just the way Prabhupada turns phrases. And uh, also, if, if Prabhupada repeats himself, it trans we repeat our mantra over and over again, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Someone might say, like, why do you keep saying that? It's like, because it feels so good. So if Prabhupada <laughs> quotes Sarva Dharma and Paritya Jamami Kamshadana, why do you keep saying it? Jiva Goswami says, the devotees are, are uh, so unlimitedly grateful for that verse that they would give 10,000 lives over and over again uh, trying to repay Krishna out of gratitude, he writes for just saying that one thing. Wow. So, you know, Prabhupada's in that school of pure devotees. They like mm -hmm. hearing it again and again. There, there's no there's no bottom to the... Sometimes devotees think, like, I got to go get some other books now. I have nothing mm -hmm. against all the books in the uh, Vaishnav canon, obviously. They're worshipable to me, by me. But uh, Prabhupada wanted us to assimilate what he gave us, obviously. And uh, my experience is that if you spend six to 10 hours a day, every day, 365 days a year, you will not assimilate all, all of it. You will not even penetrate a fraction of it or the surface of it because it's so deep. 
So it's a trick of the mind saying like the books are boring, whatever. And I know it happens to me too. I'll, you know, I'll think it's time to read the Gita. And then the mind will say, yeah, but you've already read the Gita. And it, it's, and then when I, through Vaidhi, I pick up the book anyway, and I read it, I think, you stupid mind, what were you thinking? You're such an idiot. You always tell me stuff like that. You're, you're just a liar. You don't know what you're talking about. Because then I start to feel happy, like there's no other place I'd rather be. Tushtamana, hmm. thank you. Uh, any, I, I want to bring us into a kind of a strategic discuss, discussion about book distribution, as this is the SBT page. But before I do that, I'd like to ask you if there are any other tips or tricks or um, quarantines of the mind that you would offer to devotees who are interested in diving deeper into the study of Srila Prabhupada's books. Well, one of the ways that I have been uh, able to stay consistently in the reading of Prabhupada's books is by measuring how much I read every day and sticking to it. I developed it into a habit. So, for instance, when I'm reading a book like this one sitting here, <laughs> it has a little <laughs> sticker on it, you see? And this sticker mm -hmm. sticks again and again. And, and that's a sticker. This sticker has an arrow on it. And then there's another sticker here that says, if you can read it backwards, it's 41. Uh -huh. See? So when I start, I move the 41, 41 pages forward. Hmm. And then I put the arrow at where I started. And then I keep reading until I hit the 41. <laughs> and that way... Uh, I, I'm shooting for something. If I let's let's just say someone told you right now to do as many push-ups as you can. Mm. Do as many as you can. And you might keep looking up like, can I stop now? How many should I do? But if I said, you know, do 25, mm. then whether you can do them or not, you'll, you know, you get to 15 or you know, then 23, and like, only two more. So <laughs> every day, because the mind is so uh, uh, burdensome. And, and wants to do something else, you say, okay, at least let's do our this thing. And when you're done, you can go play. You can do whatever you want to do. It's like a child. <laughs> and so uh, I track it. I track what I do. In fact, even when I chant my shlokas, I, I keep track of how many times I've gone through a set. So I'll write it on the back of the, of the uh, shloka set. And uh, I'll shoot for a number. Like I'll say, I'm going to chant this chapter 108 times. And every time I put the date on the back, oh, here I'll show you really quick. Don't mind me going off set here. This is my bag of shlokas that I'm working on right now. <laughs> and I keep waterproof. <laughs> keep it in a bag like this, and then, as an example, inside here. This one you can see is a little worn because I'm, but on the back, these are the number of times that I've chanted it. You see, I'll put the number and then the date and the Very place well. I was. And that keeps me, uh, I always have this with me. And so once I finished my bag, then I did my, uh, I did my program. So I like to measure. Sankhya Purvakanama Gana Natibi Kalavasani Krito. Goswami's counted everything. So hmm. that's a, that works for me. 
And to that end, we created yeah, this, the app called uh, Be a Sage Page by Page. You can download it for free on iOS or that other one, whatever it's called. And uh, you can uh, <laughs> you can you can use the app to count how many pages uh, you're doing every day and how many you need to do to finish each one of Prabhupada's books in a certain amount of time. Hmm. That which gets measured gets improved. I've heard you say many times. Yeah, it also gets done too. <laughs> I mean, how are you going to know if you did it or not? If you if you see somebody walking around with a, a bead bag with no counter beads on it, what do you think? Like, <laughs> so same thing, uh, you know, with the books. Count. When are you going to finish? You know, when's it, how how often are you going to read it? Make a plan. Life's much more exciting then. Then you can develop the habit. And five years later, because you're doing a few pages a day, everything changes. Uh, everything evolves, I should say, spiritually. Hmm. Hmm. Wonderful. I'd like to bring us now back to the, um, the strategic, we could say, element of this purpose for Srila Prabhupada and, and just remind us the seventh purpose of Srila Prabhupada Zizkan. He wrote, with a view towards achieving the aforementioned purposes, meaning the other six purposes, to publish and distribute periodicals, magazines, books, and other writings. As we say here in America, save the best for last. So it seems Srila Prabhupada was anchoring uh, the propagation, development, and execution of the other purposes to this book distribution. Can you speak a little bit, Prabhu, to that dynamic that Srila Prabhupada saw, how book distribution was the foundation of his society? Sure. And I, I first noticed that when I was writing my book, that, that how he had tied the other ones to the aforementioned purposes will be fulfilled by this one. Well, one point is something that Joseph T. O'Connell, the preeminent, the late preeminent scholar of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, uh, brought up uh, in a, an essay he wrote called Institutionalizing Prema. He, uh, by the way, wrote the... Um, or the preface to uh, the Brihat Bhagavatamrita and very much appreciated the work that Gopi Paranadana and the other editors did to bring that to light. It's never, never been done before, the commentary of Sanatana Goswami. But uh, he writes mm -hmm. uh, elsewhere that there's a hard institution and a soft institution in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And the, the hard institution is necessary it's creates a structure so people can join something and be part of it and there's programs they can come to and so forth and the soft institution he said is the the godia literatures and the soft institution he contends is actually more important in um, spreading krishna consciousness and uh, he says the definition of an institution is the way in which you're able to transport culture across time and geography. And he said any, any given uh, group's culture is that which is real, right, and important to them. And so he shows how the Gaudiya literatures actually are what uh, transport the information that Krishna is giving and the culture that goes with it. So if you just have the hard institution, but you don't have the soft institution, you're not able to fully transport the 
the values and the, and the complete message. It's very much necessary. And if you're going to do away with one or the other, of course, we don't want to do away with either. They, they run in tandem uh, quite perfectly, but the soft institution is uh, something that you could restart <laughs> the hard institution with, and the other way around wouldn't be possible. Mm. So one might argue that you know, the books are the basis in that way. And uh, Srila Prabhupada also uh, emphasized that, and, and that's why it's the seventh purpose through which the aforementioned purposes will be fulfilled. A, an observation I've had is that because of book distribution and the way Prabhupada told us to fearlessly go forth and make books available to people, it uh, gives us a sense of mission. And it's a sense of mission that's very quantifiable. Of course, quality is absolutely important, but quantity also is very interesting in book distribution because you can actually count how many books you distributed. And Prop had very much noticed that. In fact, in the 1970s, when uh, one of the devotees, Shruta Dave Prabhu, started the newsletter with an idea to stimulate book distribution around the world, at first only a couple temples were reporting. But then when Prabhupada found out about the newsletter, he uh, wrote uh, an edict that everyone should report to this. And he said, by the way, I'm reading it. And that's when it really took off. And mm. it's, been part of, it, it's been part of our institution since then. And not only that, uh, Prabhupada emphasized again and again how important it was for him to read that and to see that book distribution was increasing. So how do you know it's increasing? Because you can count it. You can say, I distributed 50 Gitas this week, and next week I distributed 51. So you made an increase, right? And you can count you know, how many sales there were at the BBT. So this is a very um, helpful uh, way to, to measure. Of course, quality is vital, but this is one of the aspects of book distribution that's so compelling and that goes well with uh, the missionary spirit. Hmm. So, the and the third thing I would mention is that as we're doing book distribution, as I like to put it, there's kind of oxygen that comes into our communities. Every organism has to breathe. And, of course, when we exhale, we put out carbon dioxide. When we inhale, the oxygen comes in. And... When devotees go out into the great unknown, known as the also called the public, and tries to give people an opportunity to, and they try to give people an opportunity to take uh, Krishna conscious literature, the exchanges that take place there are so obviously transcendental in many cases that devotees feel for themselves that they're in the internal energy. Hmm. That when they come back into the community, they bring that experience with them, that that uh, vision that you can't get anywhere else. And that's the oxygen that enlivens all the other programs. And that's one of the ways in which the six aforementioned uh, purposes of ISKCON are, are fulfilled by the, by the organism breathing. <laughs> and that, that means there's utsahan, there's enthusiasm. Hmm. I love that metaphor. And 
when you're um, you're describing quality and quantity, and another um, you know kind of devil's advocate point, there's been criticism of past Sankirtan practices. Quality was sacrificed for an apparent quantity and and maybe unscrupulously. And so, how do we make sure not to get intoxicated by the numerical, you know, we could say even passionate side of the service, and make sure that qualities uh, right there, running alongside, increases in quantity? Well, first is to orient ourselves towards service. So when we go out to preach, or when we stay in to do to do anything, do service. It's, it's vital to emphasize it's not so important what we do as how we do it. Mm. And uh, keeping that mantra going in a volunteer organization where our ultimate goal is to please Krishna is important because it's natural for human beings when you show them a ladder, they want to climb it and then put an extension on it and go higher. <laughs> and there's always a natural way there's competition as well. So a couple things. Uh, observations I've had over time is that competition naturally arises. Uh, you don't have to overstimulate it because sometimes then it becomes more about the competition than, it, than about what you're actually doing. Mm. That's why here at ISV, when we started our Sankirtan program, I didn't em emphasize individual competition. Of course, that went on quite a bit when Prabhupada was here and Prabhupada acknowledged it and appreciated it and rewarded the competition so when we went to that model and, and we were one team rather competing against ourselves, um, a senior devotee called our temple and said, um, you know, you guys aren't following Prabhupada because he said you should have, you know, he emphasized this competition. So the, the devotee uh, who answered uh, the phone and received the call uh, said to him, okay, then why don't you compete against us because we'll do our model of working together as a team and you can do yours <laughs> and see how we do. And uh, so far as numbers go, the, the team model has far surpassed anything else. Uh, mm -hmm. Our, as you mentioned earlier, our, our little temple here that's made up of lots of children and <laughs> all householders and uh, you know, uh, has surpassed uh, all the other, you know, uh, scores. Uh, consistently now for, for several years and has increased uh, over the over the last you know ten so uh, since two thousand and seven when we started that party. So um, I think emphasis keeping values that it's really about uh, the the mood in which we're doing it being very very important. Historically, what happened was the competition got so intense that. Uh, rather than distribute books on their own merit, devotees started um, selling other things in order to supplement book distribution. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there are other points that could be made about the ways in which it could have been done uh, and the mood it could have been done nicely, more nicely, and, and, and hindsight is always 2020. Uh, and um, however, I think that, that really, and as Rabindra Sarup Prabhu points out in the preface he wrote to my book, Our Family Business, he said that the, the real deviation was selling other things besides books. Because mm. the fact is, when you sell a book on its own merit, you really have to read the book and, and uh, you have to talk about it. And 
when you do that, you really there's a lot of purification. When you start selling other things, and you can sell a number of things, you can start selling, you know, uh, soap on a rope, or you know, anything you can think of that could sell at any particular time, and you don't really get the same effect as you do in going out and selling books. And that's one of the ways that people can go off track. Mm. You mentioned that when the devotees go out on Sankirtan, there's this kind of energy, this oxygen, this prana they bring back to the larger community. And you were also discussing that quality <clears throat> means recognition of values that we're trying to develop. So what are some of those values that one gains in giving themselves to this Sankirtan practice that then permeates into the rest of their devotional life and ostensibly the community that they spend time with? One is a, a, a realization that of uh, realization of getting immediate feedback from your environment. Mm. When you go book distribution in the public, which is a very purifying place because people don't know who you are, nor do they care. <laughs> they often make assumptions about who you are. And as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Lord Krishna have asked us to do, uh, the devotee has to practice humility. Where is a better place than where people might uh, disparage you very directly? Have you ever had a door slammed in your face? If not, I highly recommend it. It's really, really good for you. Mm -hmm. uh, have you ever told, had somebody to tell you to go to hell? Uh, you know, just without even knowing who you are. It, it's 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 actually one of the most purifying uh, events uh, to, to endure these kinds of things. In fact, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur told his his uh, devotees that they should go out every day. The sannyasis even should go out every day because he said when you're neglected and misunderstood or berated, then you're developing chid rakta for your chid sharira. Rakta means blood. So you're getting spiritual blood, he said, for your <laughs> spiritual body. And there's a way in which um, if we're going out for our own purification, then we can stay in the right, right mood. And we have to remember that. That's why we go out for our own self-purification. It's not to sell books. It's to do the right thing. It's just to go out and try and follow in the footsteps of Nityananda Prabhu and Haridas Thakur. And if we do that, we'll feel happy. And we'll, we'll also make advancement in devotional service. Mm. Wonderful. So I, I'd like to angle us a bit now towards the um, distribution and also writing of books, because that's something you yourself have done. And it seems something that Srila Prabhupada encouraged that not only his books be distributed, but other books and literatures be developed for sharing and spreading Krishna consciousness. So what does that dynamic look like in, in recognition of this um, incredible canon, which, which seems complete in and of itself that Srila Prabhupada gave us? Why or is it necessary to write more books and, and distribute those alongside? Well, Prabhupada comments... In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, that the Goswamis they wrote for purification. They weren't interested in advertising themselves so much. And also, mm -hmm. Prabhupada said, when I went to Thompson Square Park for the first time, I didn't go there to attract a crowd. I went there to uh, to glorify Krishna, and look what happened. So, 
in writing books, it, uh, what I find is it, it's it's one of the most uh, self-purificatory processes there are because I have to be very vulnerable and actually discover my voice and I have to overcome all the demons that say you can't write. And it's a way uh, of purification, really. And if something comes out of it that is... Uh, you know that that can be also be broadcast, then and that can be helpful in a modern voice. That's very nice. Um, you know, as Prabhupada writes in the Bhagavatam, we have to follow the instructions and teach the instructions of the previous acharyas without screwing out any new meaning. But at the same time, we should present it in an interesting way, uh, using our own language. And uh, I'm involved right now with a, a, a program called the Language Project, and we're we're looking, we're creating a thesaurus. We're looking at all kinds of words that are trigger words like God, sin, hell, heaven. <laughs> you know, if you pre if you use those words, the word God, as Radhika Raman Prabhu once said, is very the word is very flabby. It doesn't really do much for people except for uh, trigger a very amorphous uh, kind of visceral reaction. Uh, that uh, doesn't really help. So are there other terms that one can use, like one's original conscious source or love personified? You know, mm -hmm. uh, collecting these kinds of, of, of phrases and phraseology that one can use and present to what one knows to be a, 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 an audience that needs such things uh, can be very thrilling because you're actually presenting the words of the Acharya, but you're doing it in a way you know is going to connect. To me, there's nothing more satisfying than that. It's like hitting a home run. You know, you felt the, you felt, you felt you really got wood on the ball, and it's going over the fence. You just know it is, and so that's really exciting. Knocked it out. Knocked it out of the park. Yeah. So uh, writing is important for our own purification, and and it's a way to to really collect up all that we've learned and see what's actually in there. And of course, we have this uh, saying at ISV, we started many years ago, that if it's worth speaking, it's worth broadcasting. And so we've invested a lot into our broadcasts. And uh, it's the same <laughs> with, with writing. You know, if, if you've realized something, write it down so that it can be propagated to other people. And uh, we have... Uh, the voice of ISKCON really is Srila Prabhupada's books, and it always will be. And so we write in such a way that uh, brings uh, people to a, a focus on what we're doing, and then we can introduce them to Prabhupada's books. Of course, we massively distribute his books also, but the writing takes place really with that kind of intention. Or I should say writing... Uh, takes place that writing which takes place with that intention will be very successful i think mm. i have a couple thoughts and just i hear you in oh please go ahead nope i'd love to hear those thoughts okay, yeah just something about the strategy of distributing books especially right now because of the pandemic yeah please well, when the pandemic uh, came up so quickly, the the teams that are working together uh, 
I should say, we all came together and decided that we would not waste this crisis. We, we didn't want to waste a minute of it. We wanted to say that the crisis is the best time to uh, start new things that, uh, or go in new directions. And so when we, we saw that we were going to be locked down, actually, it was a cause for celebration in some ways because we've been neglecting a couple of things. One of them is following up with people thoroughly. And a second thing is expanding our infrastructure mm. on the internet. And so both these things have been possible during the uh, lockdown period, during the quarantine. And uh, just to uh, a spoiler alert, uh, our book distribution during the time of pandemic has doubled and our collections have doubled. And so I think one of the moods of, uh, you know, spreading Krishna consciousness is that there's no impediment there's always opportunity, and Lord Chaitanya gives the intelligence if we're willing to take a risk and try something new. We can't sit around and mope and say, it didn't work like it did last time. It's always going to change, so we always have to be ready to look for new ways. Hmm. What uh, Can you share more about that, the new ways, the new horizons? Yeah, and thanks for asking, David Madhavaprabhu. Um, so... <laughs> We recently had a marathon, a North American-wide marathon, that, in which uh, on our moniker we said, we said, uh, distribute from home, all you need is a phone. And from the telephone, the devotees are calling people and very successfully selling books, as successfully as, as before, just calling, in, engaging with people and so forth. And uh, from that, uh, of course, in the very beginning, devotees were a little hesitant to call because making a phone call to somebody can seem a little daunting somehow, maybe even more than yeah. you know, standing behind a table or approaching somebody on the street. And I had remembered that from the time when I was in business as a grahasta, I had a business that required training distributors and uh, having them make a lot of phone calls. And the way we overcame the fear or hesitation of that was to have what we called back then calling parties. So everyone would get together for a party at somebody's house for calling. And we would pass the phone around and everyone would make their call. And nobody felt uh, hesitant because uh, every, they were they had the support right there. So we arranged the same type of calling party, but we did it through Zoom where uh, dozens, up to 100 devotees at one time would be on the same Zoom call, but we'd all be phoning uh, the individual people that we were trying to contact. And <laughs> from there, we also developed a hub through which devotees could pick up scripts, things to say to people, had all the resources on a, uh, at one click, and places where people could make payment, and we organized eBooks and a lot of other things that came to... Um, it came into uh, development because of that. And uh, now it's going on. So two hours every Saturday, dozens of devotees get together on the same calling party and they do just fine. Wonderful news. And if somebody wanted to join this calling party, where would they go? They can uh, go through my website, distributebooks.com. 
and uh-huh. leave us a message and we'll make sure we connect us. Or you can write to me personally. I'm in the book. I just posted that on the Facebook for anybody that would like to join. Distributebooks.com. And I'm sure, is that a good website to go to for resources in general? It um, is. Distribute Prabhupada's books? It's very good. <laughs> yeah, we're keeping most of the stuff there. Uh, everything from now on will be on distributebooks.com, whatever you need. And uh, there's uh, there's a lot of attention being given to it, and it'll be uh, increased and, and developed over the next uh, several years in very dynamic ways. That's wonderful news. So maybe that's a good segue. I, I wanted to ask, we, we know a lot about what book distribution has done for the society the first 50 years. What do we see on the horizon the next 50 years, book distribution and its, its anchoring, its foundational um, uh, support for the rest of the community, the rest of the society? Well, one thing we're finding at a local level is when uh, devotees are oriented towards reading Prabhupada's books together, then they uh, naturally develop in their Krishna consciousness. And mm-hmm. we're finding it especially true with young people. Uh, and the youngest of people are those in the womb. So when, <laughs> um, when a, a woman becomes pregnant, we highly recommend that you read the baby the whole Bhagavatam during those nine months. It's a marathon, but if you read to the baby the whole Bhagavatam, when the baby comes out, little baby will be reciting verses. And we've seen it. We've seen it, not just with Shukadeva Swami, but with babies here. They come out, I mean, not the first day, but very soon afterwards they will, because they hear it in the womb. And then also emphasizing that the Bhagavatam uh, deals with all the psychological states of a human being, every possible state that you can go through, and shows you how to um, connect that to the Supreme Personality of God. It, it shows all the various reversals of fortune that you could possibly have in your life. It shows you how to deal with um, the the various uh, situations you're going to be in, in in life in such a way that, that you're able to um, become Krishna conscious. So I think a, a Bhagavatam culture is especially important. Srila Prabhupada brought with him on the Jaladuta the Srimad Bhagavatam in order to, as he said, re-spiritualize the entire human society. So mm-hmm. it's important to re-spiritualize oneself first by reading the whole Bhagavatam and constantly hearing from it and also emphasizing it within our communities. Hearing Bhagavatam uh, regularly and as much as possible is the panacea for all the problems. For managers who have to deal with all kinds of uh, problems all day, that's your job, mm-hmm. as you know very well, David Madhavapuru, from morning till night, and even at nighttime they'll call you. Then uh, that Somebody else's morning when it's my night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the antidote is Bhagavatam. If you hear Bhagavatam and you hear Prabhupada's purports, you'll be fortified, not just fortified, but you'll be really edified. And so it's really important in the future to emphasize the culture of Bhagavatam, that this is the medicine, that that nivrtatarshit upagiyamana bhavaushadas chotra mano birama ka utama shloku gunanavardat Puman Virajeta Vina Pashugnat Bhagavatam Shukadev Goswami said this is the medicine that cures the uh, problems, the ills of of material existence. 
So I think the future really is uh, making Bhagavatam famous, letting people know that they need to have this because literatures actually do change the world. I prove this in my book, Our Family Business, through anecdotal evidence. But the fact is that the, many of the major ideological systems that have taken root around the world came from books, mm -hmm. like Charles Darwin's uh, Origin of the Species. Lots of people believe in... in uh, Darwinian evolution, but they've never read the book even. It's because the ideas came out of that book. Uh, revolutions have started because of books. And similarly, uh, the future for the world really depends on the Bhagavatam culture. There has to be the extensive hearing of it, and, and then there have to be people walking around the world that actually exhibit the qualities of Bhagavatam. Because when you're able to sit with somebody who's actually imbibed the Bhagavatam and has genuinely become attached to Krishna. Mm -hmm. And that that's their main interest in life. The other um, uh, unwanted habits have just sloughed off from that person because of the power of the Bhagavatam. That's when a real change takes place. It has to happen from the inside out. Mm. Wonderful description, Prabhu. And I, it, it leads me to ask a kind of <clears throat> the book a, as a an edifice how effective do we see a book being going into the future with internet and social media and everything in the palm of my hand now uh, how much is a book going to be the focus human beings have a love affair with books that'll never die <laughs> And there's a different, we love electronic media and we're, uh, you know, I'm fully invested in it, in making sure that it becomes weaponized so that we can make transcendental knowledge available on waters, wider scales. But I don't think human beings are going to give up the book. There's something visceral about holding it in your hand. Also, that sense when you hold an iPod or, um, you know, another electronic device it's there's no end to it with mm. this there's a beginning and an end and you, there's a sort of satisfaction you know of holding the book and so forth this is uh parallel with with a lot of the research that's been done by the electronic book industry where where they've reported that paper books are not going away people still love them still invest in them they like they like to have something in their hand to to carry so I think it's it's still a viable vessel. There's better and better ways of making paper that are coming out nowadays that are more ecological and so forth. And I, I think it, it has legs that'll last for a long time. Jai. And to your point, the, the values also, the, the, if we can use those mechanisms to impart the values that the Bhagavatam is offering, then all the better. And, and there is something magical about holding a book. I myself... I might read 10 or 12 pages with my cell phone, but nothing feels like holding the Bhagavatam in my hand uh, or the Chaitanya Charitamrita. It's, it's, there's a warmth there that you don't get from the mm. screen. Um, given our time, Prabhu, we're, uh, we missed a few minutes because of a technical snafu. I'd like to open it now to yourself. Any closing remarks you'd have for the devotees in considering this seventh purpose of ISKCON, book distribution, Krishna consciousness, Japa, deity worship, whatever you'd like to bring us, we're all ready to receive it. On September 2nd, mm -hmm. we'll be celebrating worldwide in ISKCON Padra Purnima.
Uh-huh. There's a verse in the 12th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam that says, when you give away a set of Bhagavatams on the Bhadra Purnima, you get the gift of going back home, back to Godhead. Go Ranga. <laughs> so for the last several years, worldwide, we've organized uh, to do this, um, to honor this event. And in the last two years, collectively, we've distributed 7,000 books each year. This year, we made a goal to distribute 10,000 books, at least 10,000 uh, Bhagavatams, that mm -hmm. is. So uh, we're inviting everybody to take this up and distribute at least one set of Bhagavatams for Bhajra Purnima. We're going to have a Maha Fire Yagya at Naimasharanya on that day to read all the names of everyone who's distributed at least one uh, Bhagavatam set during that time. And to, to distribute one could mean just to buy one yourself, right? You may have a Bhagavatam set at home, but you might buy one as a gift for a friend, a coworker. Yeah. Dave Madhavaru, I've noticed, you know, in some homes, they have a TV in every room. So, But I recommend you put a Bhagavatam set in every room. I do it in my house. I, I don't like to go to a house that doesn't have a Bhagavatam set. Somebody invited me over for Prasadam in Vrindavan one day. <laughs> they was going with some friends and... I said, where are we going? They said, oh, it's such and such. And when I got over there, there's no Bhagavatam set. I said, I got a stomachache. I got to go. <laughs> um, I mean, so Chai. every place has to have Bhagavatam. Vishnath Chakravarti Thakur says, there's no difference between Goloka Vrindavan and the, and the Bhagavatam. Mm -hmm. So if you want to change your life and change your astrology, bring <laughs> the Bhagavatam in. It's the Goloka Vrindavan plan. What about my doshas? Can I change my doshas? You can change everything with Bhagavatam. It's the, it's the one guaranteed game changer in the world. <laughs> Wonderful note to end because as uh, sometimes we say, Srila Prabhupada came with nothing, but actually he had everything because he had that first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, which he personally spoke, he imbued with everything we needed to go back home, back to Godhead. So uh, very appropriate that the last 15 minutes have been your personal realization and glorification <laughs> of that same Srimad Bhagavatam to carry us into all the years that we want to see Mahaprabhu's movement manifesting forward. Thank you, David Madhavaprabhu. I saw pictures of your collective the other day and I got really inspired. It's amazing. Now Thank something's you. happening, Prabhu, but you promised you'd come a few years ago, so I'm still... I'm coming. We're, we're, Get rid of this little virus and I'll be there. <laughs> we can blame Corona for now, but after Corona, we want the Corona. <laughs> okay, it's been wonderful having you, Prabhu. Thank you so much. Uh, your time is invaluable. And to give us all an hour here on the GBCSBC page, we're really indebted. We hope we can have you back again in the near future. Thank you very much, David Madhavaprabhu. Great to see you. Hare Krishna. Thank you so much to all the devotees who have joined us. Please. Uh, I'm sure you've been enjoying the different discussions. We've had so many wonderful devotees. We have a few more uh, for this um, special emphasis of the seven purposes of ISKCON, celebrating the Incorporation Day of ISKCON. And we have a few more things planned for Srila Prabhupada's Vyas Puja, Janmashtami, etc. So stay tuned to the channel. Hope this finds everyone well in all ways. Hare Krishna. Hare Bol. Hare Krishna. Gauranga. Not to the Armarman, 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 not to the Armarman.